Let's open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Let's read those first. We looked at those last week. We'll, we'll try to continue on here and see how much we can cover. The book of Colossians is all about Jesus. The preeminence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Basically, this whole idea of putting to death, taking drastic action, doing what we need to do, doing what you and I need to do. Don't just follow along with the world because they've got a different program. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Do what you need to do to put to death these things. This idea of greed, which is idolatry, wanting what belongs to someone else. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, There should not be even a hint of these things for the believer. He says, because they are improper for God's holy people. If we belong to God, we are one of God's holy people. And to have these things in our lives. So, so the idea is not to linger, not to pamper the flesh, not to ponder these things, but to run. And to run when? Immediately. Immediately. Now. Otherwise, the Bible is very, very clear that we will surely reap what we sow. And we sow to the flesh, we'll reap of the flesh. We sow of the Spirit, we'll reap of the Spirit. One commentator said this, and listen carefully. He says, Men think that they can commit these outrageous sins and escape punishment. The heavens seem to be silent, and man increases in his boldness, but God is not mocked. He said, The wrath of God comes down upon the sons of disobedience for these things now and in a day yet future, in a day yet to come. God is not mocked, though it seems like, man, you know, stuff is going on and God doesn't seem to mind. He doesn't seem to care. Let's not be, let's not be uh, fooled. God is not mocked. So we pick it up where we left off in verse 7. He says this, You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. He gets back to Jesus. He says, you used to walk in these ways, you know, and that, I just, that, that's the message that kind of came when I was reading that. You used to be there. You used to be. That used to be your life, but something has happened. Something has happened in your life. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to him, you've said to him, yes, Jesus. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I'm, I, I need the forgiveness of the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and you have asked him, received him into your life. Something changes on the inside of us. He says that used to be you over there, but now something has happened. I want you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 2 with me, two books back 
and you can keep a finger in there in uh, Ephesians because, or a marker because we're going to go back there uh, a number of times to see the parallel passages. Paul's writing something very similar. But look in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We were following the ways of the world. We were following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And who is that? We're actually following after Satan's ways. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. We were there. We can't, we, we've got nothing that we can say, you know, I've lived a perfect life. No, you haven't. We've all been there. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, our sinful nature. Following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Something happened, he said, but God made us alive because he loved us, because he had mercy on us, because it's by grace you've been saved, he says there. How about chapter 5, Ephesians, verse 8? Chapter 5, verse 8 in Ephesians. For you were once, what? Darkness. And now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You were once darkness. You were in the dark, completely in the dark. He said, but now you are light in the Lord. But he says, live as children of light. If the, lights, if the lights come on for us, we need to live like the light is on. We don't stumble around anymore in the darkness. We're changed, we're different, we're, we're changed on the inside. One man said this, and I like this, he says, that was a chapter in their lives which was now covered by the blood of Christ. They now had a new life which empowered them to live for God. Something's happened in the sins and we're washed, we're covered by the blood. But God has also given us His Spirit which gives us the power to live a new life, to walk in newness of life, it says in Romans chapter 6. We used to walk in these ways, but, but now He says we're, 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 things have changed. We're walking on a new path. We're on a new path. We're, we were on a certain path, and, and, but now we've been taken off that path and put on a different path. What did Jesus call it? Matthew chapter 7. Let's turn there. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Again, part of the Sermon on the Mount, the most incredible thing ever written. Enter, verse 13, through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road or the path that leads to life, and only a few find it. We've been taken off of one path and put on another. He says it's a narrow path, though, isn't it? It's a narrow path. It's a narrow road. 
say, you know, that kind of cramps my style. <laughs> you know, to be put on a narrow, you know, I, I like to just do whatever I want to do. And we read that in Ephesians already, whatever my thoughts, desires, whatever they are, I like to just kind of be free in this free-flowing existence. He says that road leads to destruction, doesn't lead to life. He says this narrow path, this narrow road, it leads to life. That's the path I want to go to. I want to, I want to be on the path that leads to life. And yeah, oh, does it change my life in some ways? Yeah. But as a matter of fact, it protects us from so much garbage. It protects us from so much evil, protects us from the fruit of all this stuff that if we just go that way, we're going to reap the fruit of it. It's a narrow path and it leads to life. He says only a few find it. In comparison to the rest of the world, you say, well, you know what? If, if, if you know, so many people are going that, that road, it, might, it must be the right way, right? If you know, the majority of people are going that way, it's got to be the right way, right? That's not what he said. He says, it's, in fact, it's the opposite. I had a friend talking about this verse one time. He says, the reason that the, 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 the road, the, the path is so broad is because there's so many people going on and they've just beaten it all down. So it's just this big, broad path now. It's easy to go that way. But small is the gate, narrow the road, the path that leads to life. And only if you find it. Say, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I just said that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin and the, the power of the Spirit of God is enabling us to do what He calls us to do. He doesn't ask you to do something. He doesn't give you the power to do. How many of you ever memorized Psalm 23? You know, that's an incredible psalm. I challenge you, I encourage you, to memorize that psalm. That's one in the middle of the night when you can't sleep and you, you start to think about those words. God will minister to you. God will, God will speak to your heart. But it says in that psalm, you know if I say it, it says that he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness in the right way and, and not just for us, but for His name's sake, for Him, to give glory to Him. We talked about worshiping. Following in His path is actually worshiping Him because we're acknowledging that His paths are the right paths and He is the only one that knows the right way. Isaiah, I found a couple of verses in Isaiah that I liked. He says in Isaiah chapter 2, he says that, he says that he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. He'll teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. We have to ask, though, which, what, what's the right way? We have choices every single day. And then later in, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 42, this is interesting. He says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. He says, along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough 
places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Did you hear that? He says, along unfamiliar, unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. You say, well, this doesn't seem like I don't really know this path. Well, maybe it's because you've never been there before. Maybe it's because, you know, you're, you're, you're still thinking about the old me, the old man, the old ways, the old path, which is just this big, broad, easy way. And he says, listen, I've got something for you. I'm going to make it light before you, and I'm going to make it smooth before you. He says, and I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to make you go on a path that I'm not going to be right there with you to go down that path. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. That's you. That's me. Let's go back to Colossians. We've got a different path. We've got a new way. You used to walk in these ways, verse 7, in the life you once lived. You used to be there. But now, when? But now. Go ahead and say that. Now. You must rid yourselves of all such things as these. He said in verse 5, put to death. Now he says in verse 7 or verse 8, rid yourselves. Same kind of idea, kind of we got to do something about this. How many of these things do we need to deal with? Uh, What does it say there? Let's read that. Verse 8, but now you must rid yourselves of all, all. How many? When? Now. I mean, he's he's serious here. We got to do what we got to do. Say, well, I just got, you know, I, I got this temper and it's just me and Look at this list, though. Uh, do, do any of these things apply to us? Not a one. Not a one here, not a one on the list. Anger. It's that, that anger that's smoldering, that's nursed. In, you, you take care of it. You don't just get rid of it. You actually nurse it. Right? Rage. It speaks of these outbursts where were these violent outbursts where you actually you lose it. Malice, what about that? Viciousness toward others. Slander. The word is actually blasphemia. And it's not just against God. The word blasphemy, it's speaking and insulting other people. Blaspheme, obviously, when it's against God, it's the you know, blasphemy against God. But you can blasphemy, speak in slanderous and insulting ways against other people. None of you ever do that, though. You know, I heard the other day about so-and-so and... Uh, you can just pray about this, right? I'm just telling you this so you can pray about it. And so-and-so, you know, they, they got themselves into a real bad situation. And, and uh, 
Let me tell you some of the details. I know you don't need to know the details to pray for them, but let me tell you the details anyways, because if I do, then you can pray for them better. You know, they were over there at, uh, and, and then they, and uh, do you know what I'm saying here? We tend to want to give everybody all the dirt on other people. That's not even, not just Christians, but anybody. We can end up, you know, ruining their reputations. It may not even be true. We may have heard it. We may have heard it third hand. And then we're going to pass it along as, as truth. The next verse he talks about truth. How about the filthy language from your lips? We don't even need to define that, do we? Just what it says. Filthy language from your lips. He says, rid yourself of these things. Do something about it. Don't just say, that's me. I can't help myself. The devil made me do it. Whatever excuses that we come up with. No, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm one of God's holy people. This idea, the, the concept that he talks about here is, is to change clothes. If you've been working on a car and you get all greasy and dirty, you don't just you know, then go into the house and, and stay that way. You change your clothes. You take off the, the dirty clothes and you put on clean clothes. And it's just like that. He says because those dirty clothes, they don't fit us anymore. They're filthy. They don't suit us anymore. You say, why are you saying all this? Oh, because the Bible says it. That's the only reason. You know, it's, it's easier just to take that broad road, the broad path, but, but he's taken us down a different path. And for us to be who we've, called, who we've been called to be, for us to be those people that he's called us to be. And God has promised by his Holy Spirit that he will not leave us, forsake us, and he will give us the power to do and be what he's called us to do and be. How about back to Ephesians again? Ephesians back there, you've got a marker in there, remember? Chapter 4 and verse 26. He says, in your anger. What? Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's kind of interesting. But look at verse 27. It even goes on. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. You see how it's connected here? It's all part of the same thought. You know, we're going to get angry from time to time. We're going to get angry, but what do we do with it? Do we just, again, nurse it until it becomes that outburst of rage and we, you know, do stupid things and say stupid things that lead us down the wrong path? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It means don't let it go on from day to day to day to day to day. You know, I, I, I hear about this. It's always the other person, right? I hear about other people. You know, they get mad at each other and they don't talk to each other for like days on end, weeks on end, months on end, years on end. It's always the other person does that, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you're in the middle of right now, a week or a day or a month or whatever, and you're going, I'm not talking to that person. You don't know what he did. 
says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Give it to God and ask God for help. It's not going to change what the other person did. But who's being tortured? I'm going to torture that. My wife, I'm going to get back at her, what she did to me. Who's being tortured? It's me. But he seems to be saying here that we're also giving the devil a foothold when we hold on to these things in anger and rage and malice. We're giving the devil a foothold to work in our lives. Jump down to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of, our, of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Unwholesome talk. We saw it back in Colossians. Filthy language. We're responsible for what comes out of our mouths. You, you know, I've been reading the Proverbs. Uh, I got challenged by something I heard on the radio to read the Proverbs every day. And, and, and with my regular reading, I read one of the Proverbs a day, and there's a lot there. But let me tell you, one of the things they talk about over and over again is, the, is what we say, what comes out of our mouths, what crosses our lips, the, the, the words that come out. One commentator said this, Christian's speech must be pure. He said, there can never have been a time when so much filthy language is used as today. And the tragedy is that many people have become so habituated to unclean talk that they are unaware that they are using it. We talk just like the world and we don't even know that we're talking like filthy you know, unwholesome talk, unwholesome words, un unwholesome stories and jokes. Say, well, now you're starting to get a little bit legalistic. No, I'm just reading what the Bible says. It matters what comes out of our mouths. How about verse 31? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you, verse 1, chapter 5, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, imitators of God. You remember what James said, right? Everyone should be what? Quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, right? Why? For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not bring about or achieve the righteousness of God. It says in Proverbs, I read it the other day, you know, man is, is uh, thought wise if he doesn't say anything. But fools just, they open their mouths and then you know they're fools by what comes out. We can fool a lot of people that we're wise just by not saying anything. When we open our mouths and stuff comes out, that gets us into a lot of trouble. They go, man, phew. How about back to Colossians? One more thing before we close. As if that wasn't enough, right? Some of you are sitting there getting all angry at me. It's 
real. This stuff is real. It's, it's, it's a part of our sinful nature. It wants to come up and do what it wants to do. But he's saying you got you to gotta beat it into submission, get rid of it, and live as a believer would live. That's what he's saying. Put on the light. Where are we? Verse 9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Don't lie to each other. You know, I was thinking about this. The question is not, do we lie? The question is, how many times a day do we? You say to somebody, how are you doing? And they answer you or, you, or they ask you, how are you doing? And you lie to them, right? You could do that like five times probably this morning. You say, fine. And it's just a lie. Now, it doesn't mean you need to give them your whole life story. They say, how are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now, sit down. I need to tell you all my problems. <laughs> no, not necessarily, but... You know, if, if you're, you know, if you're having a hard time, don't just say fine. Say, you know what? Just pray for me. We'll talk some other time or whatever. Someone said every day in our lives we're tempted to distort the truth. They've done studies about this. You know, these people who that's what they get paid to do is do these studies. And um, University of Massachusetts did a study about this. And... Uh, it says here that, you know, they, they, the study demonstrated how reflexive the act of lying is for many people. In this study, they, they got people together, two strangers who didn't know each other, for, and they got them to talk to each other for 10 minutes. They didn't know what it was about, right? They didn't know it was about lying. And they taped it, and then they went back and looked at it, and they asked them, they said, well, did you tell everything you told was all the truth, right? Two strangers just talking for 10 minutes. And then they went and reviewed the tape, and the people you say, well, yeah, that, that, that wasn't exactly true, what I said there. and Yeah, that, quite, you know, that wasn't quite it. It says that they were amazed to discover all the little lies that came out in just 10 minutes. It said 60% of the subjects lied at least once during the short conversation, and in that span of time, subjects told an average of 2.92 false things. Is that amazing? We're just like we're programmed to lie, to tell untruths. He goes on to say, and this, uh, this is from the Discovery Channel, by the way. Uh, it says, it doesn't take long for children to learn that they can manipulate their parents. Many children begin to lie at the age of two or three. I've noticed that. You don't, you don't have to teach a child how to manipulate and lie. You don't have to teach them that. Where did you learn that? Though it may be troubling, listen to this, this is funny. Though it may be troubling to hear a toddler telling a tall tale, lying is actually proof of cognitive development. They're growing up. They're learning. And children often learn how to excel at the act from their parents themselves. So they already know how to do it, but they get really good at it by watching you and me. Whoa. 
But listen to this. This is from Yahoo.com. They asked the question to people. They asked them, how many times a day do you lie? And the be- this is the best answer that they all chose that was the very best answer. Here's the answer. I can't really count. Sometimes a lie is so much easier than the truth that it just slips out, and I only know I told a lie in retrospect. It's very difficult to calculate the number of lies one tells in a day because there are different classifications. And I would say between 15 to 20 lies in a day. That's the best answer. Everybody said, yeah, that's the, that's the truth. That's it right there. You see the broad road and the narrow road? He's asking us not to lie. Don't lie to each other. It's not a good thing to lie to each other. What happens when you lie once? You got to lie the next time and lie on that and on that and on that and pretty soon. But the worst thing about it is this. Let me read to you from, from John and then we're, we're going to close. The worst thing about it is this. <clears throat> Jesus talking to some people he wasn't very happy with. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See what I'm getting at? When we lie, guess whose language we're speaking? So not only do we know English, not only do we know Wyanese, We also know how to lie. That's another language, but it's a language that's the native language of Satan. And when we lie, we're speaking his language. He's the father of lies. That's kind of scary. Psalm 51, David's psalm of uh, song of repentance. He says this in one verse, he says, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You desire truth in the inner parts because what's inside comes out. So what are we looking at here today when we close? We're looking at putting to death the things of our flesh, getting rid of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, doing something about it. Well, what if you don't know what to do? Well, if you ask God, he will show you what to do. One of, the, one of the biggest concepts in the book of Proverbs is that if you ask God, He will show you what to do. If you ask for the wisdom and the knowledge of, of what to do, He will show you what to do. If you really want to know, He will show you. But a lot of times we just don't really want to know. Slander, filthy language, lying. You've taken off your old self with its practices, and put on the new self. We'll talk more about that next time, which is being renewed. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious God, we, uh, we come to these verses, and uh, it's getting a little bit warm in here. It's getting a little bit too practical. It's getting a little bit too close to home. Some of us, we're struggling in these areas. Maybe even on the way here, we lost our temper with our family or with someone else or someone at the store. 
I know I was at a store a week or so ago and just about lost it. And I know, Lord, that's not fitting. It's not right. So, Lord, first we come and we repent and we, we say, God, forgive us. We are human and we, we do have the potential for these things within us. God, forgive us and wash us and cleanse us for those things that we have done. But, but more than that, Lord, I pray and we pray that, that we could come to, to you for the strength to overcome these things and to break down those strongholds and to walk in ways that are pleasing to you. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. I worship you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.